Well, uh, the older I've gotten, uh, the more I've been able to look back on my life uh, at all the good things uh, and the bad things that have happened. Uh, and you just get perspective as you get older. Uh, I'll be 25 in two weeks, which is, like, kind of cool. Uh, woo. Uh, it's really funny because you don't, you don't really realize that you're, you're getting old. Like, cause I, I, <laughs> and I know I'm not old yet, but I, I work with the, the youth group, and uh, there came a point like recently where I, w- I was in there, and I said something and about the, the show The Office, the television show The Office. Like, my generation, like, we watched that show. We love that show. And then they were just like, who's, who's Dwight Schrute? And then I was just like, whoa, whoa, stop everything. You don't know who that is? And then I literally asked the whole room, I was like, who's watched The Office? And no one raised their hand. And I was like, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm getting out of touch. Uh, I'm not going to be cool anymore. I know, it's okay. Um, but they'll still love me anyways. Uh, I love seeing the, the two girls who were baptized today. Uh, it was really cool because there was a point when they weren't in the youth group. Um, and then they came, and then now they're being baptized. And that's just a really, really cool thing. Uh, and I love being able to see that kind of thing happen. Uh, and so, you go girls. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, back in the summer, between my junior and senior year uh, in high school, uh, it, was, it was a time in my life where I was in the middle of making some less than intelligent decisions. Uh, is a way to put it uh, politically correctly. Uh, <laughs> my mom knows. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, there, there came to be a point where my mom was like, between, between this time, she was like, all right, it's time for you to go get a job. Uh, and uh, she was like, you, you need to you know, go get some work experience and you know, maybe make some money. That would be a good thing. Uh, and, but the thing is, I, I, I didn't want to do that. Uh, I was really into just doing nothing, you know, playing computer games, watching TV, like the life of a teenager. If you have a teenager, you know. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, but she really wanted me to not be lazy anymore, uh, to get out there into the world and to, to do something. Uh, but the thing is, I am really, really stubborn. Uh, <laughs> both my mom and my fiancé, Kat, over there were just like... <laughs> pray for them. <laughs> uh, uh, and so my, my mom ended up giving me an ultimatum. She said, all right, you either get a job or you're going to lose the privileges of TV and computer for the whole summer. The whole summer, that's, that's like when you do that the most. It's like, all right, I can do this for 12 hours a day. Uh, and that's what I did like the summer before, but she was like, no, you're, you're done with that. Uh, and so she gave me an ultimatum and I was like, all right, but I'm stubborn, and so I didn't do it. And so I lost TV, lost computer, uh, and so I had to get really creative with my free time. Uh, I ended up painting my room. Uh, uh, I had just taken an art class the year before that in high school, and so I um, ended up sketching a lot. I had a big sketchbook. I drew some things. I drew some things for a cat. It was very nice. Um, uh, And I was even so, so bored that I actually asked Cat out for the first time that summer. Uh, she's now she's now my fiance, so it's all worked out. So it's pretty great. Uh, uh, so my my parents they had laid down the law. All right, you have to get a job. Uh, but what they truly wanted for me was not 
necessarily just the action, but they wanted my heart to be a heart that was of a good worth, work ethic uh, and that you know cared about hard work and doing the right thing and all that. And so they gave me this ultimate. They're like, all right, you can. You're not going to be lazy either way. Like you're going to do something. You're going to do something good. And so I painted my room, and I guess that was good. I guess I could have done more around the house, but. Um, and so we, we do that kind of thing all the time, where we, we lay down laws or rules. Uh, and so an example of this, uh, I, I work in the pre-K ministry. I volunteer over there. It's really fun. Lots of little cute children um, who love you no matter what. Uh, <laughs> uh, and in the pre-K room, there's this big red fire truck. Uh, and it's a really good toy, apparently. Like, I wouldn't know, but the kids know, and they love it. They, they see the fire truck, and they're like, oh, yeah, look at that. And they get it, and then the boys will get it, and they'll be playing with it on the ground and just, like, slamming it into the wall or just running around the room with it at top speed. Um, and then the girls will sometimes get, like, little animals and play on the fire truck with it, rising up the little ladder. Uh, but the problem happens is because they love this toy... Uh, sometimes two of them want it at the same time. Uh, and so the boy will be slamming it against the wall, a girl will come up and want to be doing that, and they'll end up screaming at each other because they're wanting to do different things. And I have to come over and go, hey guys, uh, so you know, he was already playing with that. Um, um, so he's going to keep playing with that, but hey, do you think that maybe, because she really wants to play with it, it's a great toy, do you think maybe in a minute you could share that toy and let her play with it? And usually they're like, yes, yes, I can do that, I can do that. You guys have raised some good kids, good job. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. There's, I've never had one say no, so that's great. Um, and so uh, and the, the goal is that we want them to share. And so uh, we could set up rules about sharing. It's just like, all right, you get five minutes with the big red ch- truck or... Uh, in the home, maybe it's like, all right, you and your brother each get an hour on the Xbox, and you can lay down that rule. But the intention behind the rule is that we want their heart to be transformed into being a caring heart uh, that wants to actually share. Uh, we don't want to actually have the rules. We, we want their hearts to be transformed in that way so that they want to share. And, you know, our, our government does the same kind of thing. You know, they make laws that can regulate action. Uh, because actions can be measured. You either do something or you don't do something, and you can be punished either way about it. Um, But you can't regulate the heart. Um, Even though the laws are meant to encourage uh, us to do the right thing, it's also meant to encourage us to be good people. Um, And so you could see um, a sign uh, that says, speed limit, 25 miles an hour. Uh, And that sign is literally just, all right, you can only go this fast, no further, um, but what, what they want is for you to actually care and to not be selfish, uh, to uh, care about the safety of children and other pedestrians in the neighborhood. Uh, and so that when, you, when you're that kind of person, you just automatically drive slower. You don't, you don't need the sign. Uh, and rules like that are meant to encourage that kind of behavior. So the uh, relationship between the law, the rules that we lay down, and the heart what's actually in our hearts, uh, is kind of what we're going to explore in the passage that we have today. Uh, so if you would, open your Bible to Matthew 5.20. That is where we're going to start today. Uh, and this is part of the passage that we looked at last week. Uh, but we're going to go over it today because it really sets up 
what we're going to be talking about this week and also the weeks to come. It's kind of like a summary uh, of what is about to be explored. And so let us read Matthew 5, 20. This is Jesus talking, still in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, let's pause right there. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they followed the law. Their whole lives were dedicated to it. Uh, Meticulous, meticulous detail. Like, all right, we're going to tie the tenth of our sage and parsley, like not just the tenth of our money. We're going to tie the tenth of everything. They were very, very dedicated to following the law completely and totally. Um, But just following the law is not the only thing that God cares about because he also cares about uh, their heart. Uh, So if we go back to the pre-K example, if I had a kid and I told him, all right, you have to share that, and then they could could do it, they could share the toy, but in their heart be like, I didn't want to share the toy. Uh, I don't like you for making me share the toy, but I'll do it because, I don't know, you'll put me in a timeout. Uh, (laughs) Well, they'll still do it, but their heart won't be in the right place. Uh, they'll, they'll have a selfish heart. And that, that's not what we want. Uh, so we have another example of this in the life of Jesus. We're going to leave this passage. And so flip with me to Luke 13. 13.10. Luke 13.10. So in this passage, we, we see uh, um, the Sabbath being talked about. Uh, and the Sabbath, Dave mentioned last week, was is all about having a day off that you don't do anything, that you just rest and enjoy God's blessing. You rest and enjoy God's blessing, and you just trust that he will provide. Even though you're not doing any work, you trust that he will still provide, and you don't have to do any work. So, you know, if you have uh, a field that you attend to, if you're a farmer, you don't have to farm the field on this day. You, you trust that God will provide, and then you can enjoy his blessings in that um, in, in, in still resting. So, let's start at Luke 13, verse 10. Uh, On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman there, who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years, uh, she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? So here he, he compares her. Like, you take care of your animal, but you won't take care of this woman? It's, uh, it's horrible. And so when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, and rightly so. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. And so this is an example of one of the teachers of the law who was following the rules, following the rules, but his heart wasn't in the right place. Heart wasn't in the right place. And so we're going to continue on. Flip back to Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. 
continue on with our passage, and as we read it, we're going to be answering the question, basically, what does Jesus mean that we must have righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees? Here we go. Verse 21 says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Let's pause right there. So Jesus brings out this Old Testament command. Don't murder. Don't murder or you'll be subject to judgment. Um, but then he, he, he changes it just a little bit and says, here, we're going to get to the root of this. We're going to get to the root of this because I want you to have a heart that doesn't hate I want you to have a heart that doesn't get angry. It's not just about the action of murder. It's about having a heart that doesn't even lead up to murder in the first place because that's what God wants. So the first uh, point on your notes uh, is that God cares about our hearts. Uh, God cares about our hearts. He wants us to be perfect. God wants us to be perfect and have a heart like his. Uh, And so this was always his intention Uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, Jesus and Jesus doesn't want us to forget that Uh, he doesn't want us to forget that God has always been about that and he tries to center us on this matter um, by laying it out like this Uh, he does this six times where he says you have heard it was said but I say and so he's going to do this six times where he's going to get to the heart of some different Old Testament commands. And this is the first one uh, with the murder versus uh, getting angry with a brother or sister. Uh, so there's a problem with this, though, because um, our heart is deceitful above all things. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10, you don't need to flip there. It says, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. And so, even in the Old Testament, they knew that their hearts were bad. Uh, And it's just repeated again and again in the Old Testament, the failure of the Israelite people to obey these commands uh, and to have their hearts transformed in the way God wants is just constant, constant, constant failure. So they knew that their hearts weren't in the right place. And uh, people who are reading this, and us who are reading this now, uh, can read, all right, okay, so I'm reading through this, all right, you shall not murder, or you'll be subject to judgment. Great, okay, I'm not, I don't have any judgment there. But then you keep reading, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Okay, all right, I guess I'm subject to judgment. Um, uh, that, I do, that happens to me. Uh, and we all deal with this uh, every day of our lives. Um, we... Uh, feel anger, and uh, we may not act on this anger every day, but we feel it. We feel it. Um, And Jesus doesn't want that to be the case. So the second point on the notes uh, is we're going to see in the next few examples here that Jesus is going to lay out in this little section, uh, God cares about our relationships. Our relationships. And so, Uh, We paused in the section in the middle of verse 22. So we're going to pick it right back up there. Uh, Middle of verse 22 says, Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, 
Raqqa, and so you see a little footnote that goes down there, and it says, an Aramaic term of contempt. Uh, and it, it quite literally means empty-headed. So that, that's kind of what it means. It's an insult. It's an insult to someone. Um, anyone who says, Raqqa, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus is giving some real-life examples. If you are angry in this way, you're subject to judgment. He basically just says it in two different ways. Um, and then going on to verse 23, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Uh, and so you see this sense of urgency in what Jesus is talking about in this example. It's like, all right, you're, you're about to go lay down a gift at the altar, um, but first, if, if you're not right with a brother or sister, go, go and fix that. Go and fix that right away. There's urgency in this. Um, and, and something else that we can take away from this, because we, we don't do sacrifices anymore, but uh, we, we do come to church, we do seek God, uh, and so we can ask ourselves a question, you know, how sincere is our own desire to be right with God if we can't even reconcile with a brother or sister uh, in Christ, brother or sister in Christ? If, if we can't do that, you know, how can we ask God for reconciliation if we can't reconcile with the people around us in our own lives right here? Uh, and then it goes on in verse 25. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I will tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. And so this one's a little, little different, because in the, the other examples, he says, you know, a brother or sister, a brother or sister, but here he says, with an adversary. Uh, and so this is someone who is not necessarily your brother or sister in Christ. This is not necessarily a friend. But uh, here it says, settle matters quickly. Uh, and in, in the original text, it's, it's literally ma- basically make friends with. Uh, and so you, it's a true reconciliation. It's not just a settling of matters like, all right, we'll settle these matters. We're having this conflict. We'll, we'll get it settled. No, it's, it's, it's deeper than that. It's make friends with uh, this adversary. And so this, this, um, this matter of anger isn't just for people that we know and we like. It's, it's for everybody. We want to be reconciled with all bad relationships. And so uh, that we have two applications that we can draw from this. Um, so because we know that our hearts are deceitful um, uh, and we know that we deserve judgment, we, we kind of struggle with this. Like, we know our hearts are deceitful. We, know, we can't do the right thing. Uh, and Paul uh, the Apostle Paul struggled with this too. And so uh, if you would flip with me to Romans uh, chapter 7, verse 21. Romans seven twenty-one. This is a great book, if you haven't read it, uh, the book of Romans. I taught a class on it with uh, Rich Hansen, and it was a really, really uh, enlightening experience. Uh, so seven twenty-one. Paul says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, 
waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law at sin at work within me. What a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but my sinful nature, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And so we can see Paul struggling with this. He says, I want to do good. I want to. I desperately want to. But there's something in me that doesn't, that just doesn't. The heart is deceitful above all things. It, it, it wants to do the wrong, the wrong thing. And let's keep reading just a little bit more, starting uh, in chapter 8 right here. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So the first application point is to rely on the spirit. We must rely on the spirit and we can do this because Jesus Christ was the offering that God sent down to reconcile us to, to God himself. Uh, Christ was sacrificed, and it made it possible for us to be reconciled with God, which made it possible for the Spirit to come down and indwell us. Uh, and with the Spirit indwelling us, we can do so much more. Uh, Paul goes on to talk about life through the Spirit in this, in this chapter of Romans 8, and it's just so much better. We can break free from the law of sin, from the, the constraints of sin, if we rely on the Spirit. So we must, we must repent, trust in Christ. Uh, just like the, the two girls who were baptized today, they, they have repented of their lives of sin. They have trusted in Christ for their salvation. And then they were baptized as a sign of that. Uh, and now the Spirit dwells within them. Uh, they are able to break free from the law of sin. Uh, the second application point uh, would be to reconcile relationships. Reconcile relationships. Uh, we want to do this quickly. Jesus talked about, he gave examples of doing this immediately, doing this quickly. We want to do this before things you know, get out of hand, uh, before relationships turn, turn really bad. Uh, and we also uh, not just want to, to do it quickly, but uh, to, uh, in the future, when these things come up, to just preempt them before things get worse. Uh, because, uh, you know, when, when things go wrong in relationships, it's really easy to just not talk to the other person or to make things worse by saying a sarcastic comment. Uh, we don't want to do that. We want to we keep an eye on our future relationships uh, and just reconcile before it gets any worse. Um, and we want to do this, uh, especially, uh, we find good, good support and good, uh, a good base for, for doing this and the fact that we were created in the image of God. Uh, and it really helps me to just try and think about, all right, we were created in the image of God. You all were created in the image of God. Uh, and so if I do that, it's, it's just this base for humanity and this base for the worth that each and every one of us has. 
because it's so easy to uh, dehumanize someone else. And that, that's what you do when, when you become angry with them and you act out against them. You dehumanize them or you demonize them. Uh, you turn them into an object, as something that I can, something that I can yell at uh, instead of a person who's just like me uh, or who's just like God, uh, made in his image. And so when we, when we do that, when we think about people being made in the image of God, uh, it can help you to reconcile relationships quickly. Uh, so those are the two application points. Uh, rely on the Spirit. Reconcile relationships. Uh, when we do those things, uh, everything goes much, much better. Uh, so let me pray for us real quick. Father, I thank you for giving us your word. Uh, it's a really cool thing that uh, Jesus was able to make this text so timeless. It has transcended cultures, has transcended time for thousands of years. We can look at these commands and change our hearts. And we're able to do this because you've given us your spirit. And I just pray, I pray that you would have all of us repent from our sin, turn, trust Christ, and rely on your spirit. It will change our lives. Amen. I'm here to announce we just completed a, um, a fiscal year here at Nova Community Church, and then we had our first board meeting just 